you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. This is your host, Lisa Palladino. And today, I don't have a guest. We're just going to chat. It's been a while since we just chatted, me and you and all of you listening. Um, What I want to talk about today is answering the question, how do we know it's time or if it's time, for phrenotomy. So today we're going to discuss five points that I consider before I recommend a baby be evaluated for tongue-tie procedure. So let's get into it. But before we do, I just want to ask a favor. Um, If you're currently listening and you're not driving, Take a moment to go to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast page on whatever app you're listening to and click to follow the podcast. This is the most important thing you could do to help us at the podcast is to follow. Then you won't miss any episodes and I'm sure that you're getting all the episodes and more people will have our podcast recommended to them if there are more people who follow it. So there's lots of reasons for it. It only take five seconds and I really appreciate it. Okay, back to the subject of today's podcast. How do we know it's time? So I'm going to go through this and I'm going to try and divide the concepts up between parents and providers. Sometimes there'll be an overlap, but I definitely want to put a disclaimer on, you know, there's no one right way to do this and nothing I'm saying today or ever is ever meant to overwhelm or judge. I totally understand and realize that everyone can't always have the optimal path. Um, All of the things I recommend are not available to all of us. Um, Totally, full disclosure, know that. And what I think might be the best procedures or the best process 
isn't always the best process for every baby, right? Every baby is individual. Every mother, parent, infant, dyad is individual. Um, But I can always strive to educate about optimal. And optimal means the optimal outcome. And in this case, it's improved breastfeeding. So for the for most of this um, episode, we will be talking about a breastfeeding baby. That's the focus of my work. And I truly believe that if we could get more infants to successfully, effectively, and comfortably breastfeed, honestly, we would change the world. And there are other episodes about why I feel that way. But for now, I'm going to talk about how we do that in the presence of an apparent lip and tongue tie. So the first thing to consider is, is it necessary? You want to be as convinced as possible that it's actually the tongue or lip tie or both that are causing symptoms. So that's the idea. And the action is to have a functional assessment. So if you're a parent, you want to bring your baby to someone who can do a functional assessment. And if you're a provider, you want to either perform the functional assessment yourself, if that's in your scope, or refer to someone else, another professional, to do the functional assessment. Now, what is a functional assessment? A functional assessment is one in which it's a complete breastfeeding exam for breastfeeding infants. Typically, and most often, the functional assessment on a breastfeeding baby should be performed by an IBCLC who has trained in assessing for and treating tongue-tied infants. For bottle feeding infants, it may be an IBCLC who is comfortable in assessing signs and symptoms in bottle feeding infants, but often it's an SLP who specializes in feeding therapy. So the reason an IBCLC is the person to functionally assess the breastfeeding dyad is because she is also assessing aspects of the maternal side of breastfeeding that is not in the scope of, say, a a feeding therapist, speech-language pathologist. So the idea is make sure it's necessary, make sure that the symptoms going on are being caused by tongue or lip tie, and then having a functional exam. And you want to think about all the different signs and symptoms, and can they be related to anything else? So let's recap quickly. How do we know it's time? Five points to consider before tongue and lip tie procedure. Number one was, is it necessary? Number two is, is there anything else causing the breastfeeding concern? This is where the functional assessment that we spoke about in the first point comes into play. What else are we finding on that functional assessment? 
there are many things that can get in the way of successful breastfeeding. Even if there is a lip and tongue tie there, we want to be so sure that there's nothing else to correct or optimize before the procedure because we want the breastfeeding to go smoothly after the procedure. We don't want it to be a continued struggle. So we want that assessment to rule out low milk supply, for example, because that can be corrected a little bit usually um, by an IBCLC's guidance prior to the procedure. We want to consider, is there anything else structurally going on? Are there any obvious or not so obvious other functional issues? I mean, you know, I've seen babies with cleft palates that have been missed at the hospital. You know, we want to make sure there's nothing else preventing that baby from breastfeeding. Sometimes not so obvious things like torticollis, where the baby is having a hard time moving their head from one side to the other or tightness in the cervical spine where it's hard for them to extend their neck in the positions that they need to be comfortable in in order to have an effective latch and a comfortable latch for the parent. Now, is the assessment within the scope? Yes. Is the treatment beyond the scope? In most cases, beyond the scope of an IBCLC. And that's where the team approach comes in. And if you want to go back to, I have a couple of different episodes. The last one was all about manual therapies and osteopathy. And then there's quite a few. I have an OT that I've interviewed. We have PTs that we've interviewed. We've talked about cranial sacral therapy. There are other things to assess to be sure. So especially if you are a lactation consultant and you're um, seeing a baby and you're not exactly sure, you're on the fence about whether or not it's the tongue tie, definitely reach out to your team members, right? Network for sure. Um, you know, I often will send a baby to the occupational therapist or the PT that I work with or the CST provider or the chiropractor in many cases. I also have episodes on chiropractors. So you want to be sure that there's nothing else beyond the tot causing the breastfeeding concerns. Are you a professional that feels like you didn't learn enough about tongue tie in school? Whether you're a lactation consultant, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, a midwife, a doula, a doctor, a speech-language pathologist, a chiropractor, PT, OT, dentist, etc. I don't mean to leave anyone out. Anyone who works with pregnant or breastfeeding families in any capacity who is curious about tongue tie is welcome in the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant. What you'll learn, we have four modules, assessment, treatment plan, phrenotomy, and aftercare. So much great information, and it comes with a community. I didn't learn this in school, did you? Tongue tie treatment can be complex, and those who expect relief of symptoms with a quick snip or even a laser release, even by an experienced provider, are usually disappointed. Join me to learn protocols that offer an organized and simplified plan to support families through decision-making, 
preparation, treatment plans, procedure, if needed, and aftercare. Learn the teamwork model of care. Knowing why and which providers are necessary will make things easier for you and provide effective outcomes for your patients. Please sign up today. The link is in the show notes, but you can go to my website, tongtieexperts.net. Go to the professional tab. And one last thing, since you listen to my podcast, you'll get 15% off just by using the coupon code PODCAST15. And the word podcast is all in caps. Can't wait to see you in the group. Take care. Also, you want to consider, is there anything metabolic going on? So say, say the issue is weight gain, right? Sometimes the kid could have a problem that's preventing a disease of metabolism. Rare, but they occur. Cardiac issues can cause an infant to have low tolerance for feeding. So definitely pediatrician always, when there is something medical suspected, if anything seems out of the ordinary, you don't want to just send to a provider for release. And also, if you are a provider who performs releases, you want to be able to feel confident that there's nothing else going on. So always network with the pediatricians, if possible, or have the reassurance from the parent that the pediatrician has ruled out any medical conditions that would interfere with with feeding. I could talk for hours on this topic, but I want to stick with the five um, points that I want to make today for preparedness for tongue-tie procedure. So I won't digress any longer into that, but just know that, you know, not to scare you, but if you're a parent, especially not to scare you, but you want to make sure that everything else is okay. All right. Um, Okay. So Number one was, is it necessary? Number two, is there anything else causing the breastfeeding concern? Number three is very important and perhaps could have been number one. You know, I'm not putting this in, in importance. I'm putting this just as a list. But maternal parent emotional health. This is a biggie especially the way that um, the pandemic has affected a lot of us emotionally, and especially there have been increases in what I would consider to be traumatic births. And this I take from work I've done with postpartum parents in support groups, as well as reported by patients. There are many traumatic or reported traumatic births I see so many babies who have been admitted to NICU for either minor or major problems. I see so many infants who have been in NICU who do need a procedure, but you know the family has just been reunited. The baby is just home. The parents are getting used to having a baby at home. It's a very traumatic thing to start with babies been in the NICU in care of medical professionals and all of a sudden that baby comes home. So there's a lot to deal with around maternal emotional health. How is mom? Did she have a bleed at birth? Is she anemic? Is she 
unnecessarily tired? Um, is she having anxiety? Is she struggling to sleep or rest when she can? Is she having the right nutrition? You know, I see more and more high blood pressure. Is her blood pressure under control? You know, having a baby is a huge physical and emotional experience. And the recovery from that is something that we downplay, especially in, in the United States. So we don't want to assume that the parents that are in front of you in your office are at their best state to hear that a baby needs quote unquote surgery. And if you're a parent, you may identify with that feeling when you first heard that, you know, there's something wrong with your baby, be it minor as it may be with the tongue tie, hearing that there's something wrong that needs to be fixed can be devastating, especially if you're in a fragile emotional state already. Sleeplessness, underhydrated, you know, worn out from either a vaginal or a surgical birth. Back to the emotional side, most or unfortunately a majority of the um, parents that I interview did not have the birth they expected and there will be some recovery and adaptation that has to happen in order to be at their best emotional state. So again, a topic I could talk about forever is the emotional and maternal health, but consider that. Consider that parents may need another week. This may not be an emergency. Do they have the emotional and physical capacity to prepare for a procedure, to learn how to do exercises for a baby, to have that additional stress at a very vulnerable and stressful time. So that's number three, maternal and emotional health. So how do we know it's time? Five points to consider before tongue and lip tie procedure. One was, is it necessary? Two, is there anything else causing the breastfeeding concern? Three, maternal emotional health. Four, is baby ready? Now, there is a rush to fix what we can see seems fixable. But I have learned, and maybe it's wisdom and experience, but the less we rush into this procedure, the more successful outcomes we will have. So what do I mean about is baby ready? I like to optimize as much as possible. Is the baby already gaining weight? So for example, it's normal for babies to lose about 8 to 10% of their birth weight in the first couple of days and then start to regain. I prefer that the baby is back to birth weight or at least trending upward towards their birth weight, um, that they can transfer some milk either by bottle or breast or other alternative feeding methods. I would like to know that if the baby was a NICU baby, Whatever sent them to NICU is resolved. 
You want to make sure there's no infections, no jaundice, unless it's longstanding breastfeeding jaundice that goes on for months. That's another story. But if they were admitted to NICU for jaundice, if they were admitted to NICU for blood sugar regulation, we want to be sure that they are recovered from that issue. We do not want to add stress to an already stressed infant body. So we want to make sure baby is ready. Is baby putting out good diapers? Um, Is anything else going on that we have to clear up about the baby? Now, I already talked about the other issues that could be going on as far as bodily structures. So we want to be sure that those are taken care of. If there are issues of torticollis or tightness anywhere or um, anything that we can start working on, we want to at least start working on them if possible before the procedure. So that was number four, is baby ready? Okay, so those were the first four. One, is it necessary? Two, is there anything else causing the breastfeeding concern? Three, maternal and emotional health. Four, is baby ready? And we come to the final point. Do we have a plan set up for after the procedure? What do I mean about that? Okay, so do we have help lined up if we need it? Meaning, if we need to take care of other children, can we have help with that? Do we have a meal in place afterwards, right? So the worst thing you want to do is, you know, so many people especially drive far to reach the provider for the procedure. You don't want to, you know, come home with a screaming sad baby and mom is upset and and worried and everybody's hungry and there's nothing to eat. So I always think of food um, and I always like to remind families to have a couple of meals planned so that they don't have to worry about it. So in the ideal world, the night of the procedure is smooth sailing and everything goes wonderfully. But we want to be prepared just in case it's a little bit more stressful than that. We want to know that if we just, you know, if the mom just has to lay in bed holding the baby or, or, or sitting up holding the baby, safely, of course, either of those things, or walk the baby or wear the baby or just spend some time with the baby, there is not going to be additional stress on her if possible. So we want to plan that ahead of time. So if there are any other toddlers, if a family member or a friend can watch the other children, if somebody's got to be picked up from school, if that could be arranged, childcare is very important. We want to know for sure ahead of time, what analgesia, what pain relief the provider recommends after the procedure. Now, that's another story for another day that I'm not going to delve deeply into, but I am a firm believer that babies feel pain and are uncomfortable, especially the first night. And you want to know ahead of time what the provider is going to recommend. Even if the baby seems fine and you're not going to need it, you want to have it in the house. Again, the scenario of coming home, 
feeling tired and a little stressed and baby's upset or not, but now it's like six o'clock and the pharmacy is closing or you wanted to use homeopathy. So you have to get that from a special health food store or something, right? So you want to be prepared. You don't want to be running all over town, finding something when you realize the baby's in pain. So really important. Um, the plan for after the procedure for me and for the team approach and those of us who study and practice tongue-tie treatment, we really and truly feel that the exercises and the stretches that happen around the procedure are important and important to have planned ahead of time. So you want to speak to the provider ahead of time and ask about that. If you're working with an IBCLC or an SLP or any type of manual therapist, they may have given you exercises to start ahead of time, to practice ahead of time. Hopefully they have. You want to have the plan in place before. You don't want to be learning about what you're going to do with the baby at home in the moments after the procedure when you you may be upset, the baby's upset, you, you know, your stress levels are high, you're not going to be able to absorb that as well as you would if you had learned it when you were in a, a different state of mind prior to that day. So if you are a provider who performs the procedure, it would be really, really helpful if during your consults, if it's ahead of time of the procedure, you could share this information or maybe when the appointment is booked, you can send the information. If you're an IBCLC or a manual therapist that works with infants, you can teach this to the parents ahead of time. And I'm sure you do if you practice this work. Um, this is what I teach in the professional's guide. And it's what I hear that most providers are doing is giving the plan ahead of time so that the parents are ready. So there's a plan in place for after the procedure. And that's the last of my five steps to be ready for the procedure. I hope this was helpful. If you are a parent and you would like to have a list of questions to ask the provider, which is very much in line with preparing for the procedure, the link to that is in the show notes. You'll find a link for parents and providers. You will find a link there that brings you to my page where all of my handouts are there and everything there. Those handouts are all free. I do have paid courses. And if you're a parent who wants to learn, the Parent's Guide to Tongue Tie is there and it's very affordable and you can purchase that and hear me tell you all specifically what to do. It's how I guide my own patients through the procedure, what exercises to do, all about pain relief, all about what to be ready for the day of, et cetera. Um, if you're a professional, you're in luck because this week is our sale on the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie and the Breastfeeding Infant. So if you're listening to this in early May of 2023, the sale is going on now. Again, go to the show notes or you can just go to tonguetieexperts.net slash professional course or just go to the professional page on that website. All the links are here in the show notes to get to anything that I'm talking about 
tongtieexperts.net. Instagram has all the links. Uh, we're tongtieexperts on, on Instagram. And thank you to all of you who follow me on Instagram. I love it. So just going to summarize quickly the five aspects that I like to consider to know that it's time for tongue or lip tie procedure. Number one, is it necessary? Number two, is there anything else causing the breastfeeding concern? Number three, what's going on with maternal and emotional health? Number four, is baby ready for the procedure? Number five, is there a plan set up for after the procedure? Thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget to click follow on your app. You know, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google, we're on Spotify. Please follow the podcast. It really is important to keep us going and have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.